You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show, Song Bro. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart, they're sexy, and they're all Philly. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome in to episode number 80 of Babes on Broad. I'm Sam Stafford with my co-host, Jesse Taylor, and we are the Babes on Broad brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. And Jess, not only are we on episode 80, it's a Mm -hmm. milestone, we'll reach 100 sometime this season, so we have to plan something big for that. Yeah, we'll have to do something fun. Yeah, but it's NFL Draft Week, baby. It snuck up on us, man. It sneaks up on me because I, these last couple years, the the Eagles have hurt me so bad and disappointed me on so many different levels. Actually, this year was not as bad, but I just, I don't trust Howie Roseman so much that I have to put them out of my brain and I need time to recover before I know I'm going to get hurt again. So then it sneaks up and all of a sudden it's here. And then you sit here and you're like, wow, how is he going to ruin my Thursday this time? Jess, I I know we're normally, we're sticking it to Howie and we are upset with him, but I'm actually very optimistic going into this draft. And I don't know if it's because in previous shows, like I've said that one of the main things I wanted to do when we had three first round picks was make a way to get three or two second or first round picks this year. And then next year, get two first round picks. I wanted to do something with that. And Howie did that with his trade with the Saints. So once he did that, and then just a couple other tweaks and stuff that he did, I was very happy with him so far. I mean, obviously, the other thing I wanted was like a big name wide receiver free agent. We didn't get that, but there wasn't really much to choose from there. So I can't really blame him for that. But I was really happy with him so far this offseason. So I think, and because of the fact that this is potentially the third year, we'll get into it, that they choose a wide receiver, I feel like maybe because I'm happy with him from what he's done already. And because of his past mistakes, maybe he's going to turn a new cheek. And this year he's going to be like, you know what? I'm going to listen and actually help or take opinions from other people and not just try to outsmart the room. I don't know why I have this optimism, but I, don't I do. Like do either. I'm, a, I'm proud of you. I don't. I'm setting myself up to get hurt or what, but I don't know. I agree with you in that he's not done anything to upset me so far this offseason. However, no one – we've never complained about his ability to win trades. We've I never complained about his ability to operate under the salary cap and make that all work out the way we need it to. He's a cap wizard, and he's fantastic at executing trades. He is unbelievably terrible – at evaluating talent and that is the biggest concern here when you know when there's an obvious choice we talked about it last year they trade up and De- and Devonte smith is right there and we have to hold our breath because we think he's going to do something ridiculous that's a problem that is frightening and that's that's just w- what concerns me more than anything is his 
inability to it, like I, he's great at what he does, but yeah. he all like it, it, you need to listen to other people in the, those kinds of situations. And with two decently, you know, slated first round picks, you cannot mess these up. And it's and 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 even in terms of like if it's somebody who ends up, you know, who who is a projected top ten pick, projected to be here, everyone agrees this is the consensus pick. And it's and this person ends up being an enormous bust. Fine, fine, but you can't try to outsmart other people. It's the same thing with the Jalen Rager Justin Jefferson thing. Yeah. If Justin Je- Justin Jefferson was the consensus, like fine. If he came here and he was abysmal, a total first round bust, no one would fault Howie for that because that was the pick to make. That was the decision to make. No complaints. Done. Yeah. So that's what needs to be done with 15 and 18, assuming they stay at 15 yeah. and 18, which, you know, who the heck knows. But that's, that's you know, sort of where I am. And because <laughs> there's two, there's, you know, it, it, it multiplies his chances of screwing it up. So yes, he's got to hit on one, right? <laughs> he's got to hit on one. But no, I agree with you. And don't get me wrong. Like come Thursday. So like come tomorrow or when, I, no, I think this comes out today. So, but come Thursday, as soon as the start or the draft starts, probably a couple hours before, I'm going to be high level anxiety because I'm going to be like, oh my God, yeah. oh my God. you know what I mean? And I feel like the Sixers start an hour before. I know. Uh, okay. You just gave me chills. I'm already stressing. Don't do this. Really play it once. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, I know. But so, I mean, I am going to be high level anxiety. I think most of Philadelphia is. But like you said, we do have two very, very, decently spotted first round picks at 15 and 18 after their trade with the saints earlier in the off season. And they have 10 overall picks in the entire draft at this point. So speaking of that, what do you think are the odds of them trading up or trading back? Rappaport said yesterday that the Eagles are in talks and have been calling around to try to trade up most likely for sauce Gardner, I'm assuming, but um, yeah. What do you think people that are, that are projected to slip? at this point that there's some, some interesting things going on that I think, I I think it might, it'll depend on what they're looking for. It'll depend on who they're prioritizing and what kind of deal they have to make to get there. Um, You know, I, I, for, for the Eagles and draft night trades, I don't think anything's out of the question for them for trading picks. I, I, what I hope they do, I don't want them to trade back. Like I, like I need them to make, two top 20 picks okay personally that's that's how I feel like they should I don't want them trading back and even if they you know there's someone that you know gets selected right before them that they were hoping would fall one more spot don't give up take the next best player like there are too many things wrong with this Eagles team right now not wrong but too many spots that have holes or have age or have mm-hmm. one year deals that you're going to have to adjust in the, you know, in the ne- coming off season anyway, there are just too many things there that, you know, there's going to be someone who you have a first round grade on at a position you need in these spots. There's going to be oh, something. So I don't think that trading back at all is going to be something that they should do personally, how I feel. Um, That doesn't mean they won't, but I just think that they should not go further back than 18. I like the idea of a trade back just for the fact that I saw one hypothetical situation. And that's the thing. Everything we talk about everybody everything that everybody talks about with NFL draft is hypothetical because one move can switch the entire setup of everything but yeah but one hypothetical um trade back I saw was them trading back with um the Packers to get 22 Packers take 18 and then they would also get picked like 91 which is a late third round and that would give them three third rounds so then assuming they have so many in the third round, they'd probably use that to trade up with their second round pick. So then they'd get um, 15, 22, and then a higher second round pick. And I like the thought of that just because I really will get to this more in depth, but I really like the idea of getting David Ajabo 
who has fallen a lot because he hurt his Achilles, tore his Achilles at Michigan Pro Day. So that's one thing that I like that for assuming that Ajabo still drops that far because there could be other teams that are like, this is a steal. He's dropping, you know what I mean? But I I like what they did with Sidney Jones, right? Obviously that didn't play out as we'd hoped, but. Exactly. The difference is Sidney Jones was a knockout in college, but he was a Washington knockout. And what do we talk about all the time, Jess? You stick with the core teams and Michigan's worked them. Normally it was always what? Um, Clemson, Ohio State, Bama, LSU, Michigan stuck themselves in there now. Georgia stuck themselves in there now. So I really like Ajabo. And I think a lot of people, the way they're talking about him, he's kind of rehabbing really well and he's expected to come back like good. I don't know what time they're saying. Probably yeah. not until the end of next year because it was so late, the injury. Yeah, and Achilles are, are tough. Achilles yeah. are really tough, much tougher than an ACL or, or something like that. Yeah. They're, they're just a really long rehab. And and even, I, I mean, going back to our point earlier about, you know, the kind of obvious choice there, that Sidney Jones is a perfect example of that. Everyone loved that pick. That was a steal across the board, media, fans, players, like across mm-hmm. the board, that was a yes, totally. Yeah. Didn't work out, sucks, move on, whatever. So I think you're you're absolutely right. That could be an interesting second round. However, I, I'm still of the mindset at this point right now, and I, I don't dislike that move. However, yeah. I, again, just think they are at a point right now where obviously you see what they can do, you see that the NFC East is once again, consistently wide open. I don't care what the Cowboys have on paper. You see they, what happens every Every year. Yes. They, I just, I think in rounds one and two, you need players that can help you now. I'm so tired of projects. I'm so tired of, you know, this is where he can get to. I need someone that can help you now. And I understand that, you know, it's harder with rookies, but I need a Devontae Smith caliber can now in rounds one and two. I just, I'm I'm so tired of everything else. So there's a couple of things that, are in my head and I hope I get to them before my mind forgets what I'm about to say. (laughs) But um, first off with the Sydney Jones, just, I wanted to point out with how you said nobody was blaming Howie for that pick. That was the pick there. And that was the second round pick. So the fact that he did that, my problem with Howie is, is that he just always, your first round picks should be that lock pick. And then later I mean, even second round should probably be a lock pick. But then like third through seventh, like those rounds, those are the ones that you're like, hey, yeah, I like this guy. Let's just throw out and see what happens. You know what I mean? But Howie seems to do it like backwards. I feel like he does the let's take a shot on this guy with like the big picks. And then later in the rounds, he takes who you're supposed to take. And that's like what's frustrating with me. And that's why I'm like, yeah, obviously I would love to have two like picks and trade up and still have two picks in the top 20, but it's also like the move, like is Howie going to take the guys that he should, I don't want to move and up just to get somebody that we could have gotten later or take a chance on somebody. So that's my thing with that. But then also this is where we differ too. And we'll, when I say like who I, my thoughts on actually who I want to take in the rounds um, you'll see this and I'll get into it further, but we're not a Super Bowl team this year, no matter who we get. Nope. So my thought with the fact that we have two first round picks this year and two first round picks next year, I am willing to take people in the first round this year that'll play here and there and they'll make a difference, but they're not going to come out and just be locks right away. I don't think, but I'm willing to do that. And then wait until they can really start and their big impact year is going to be their second year, which will be the following year. And then we get two locks in the first round then. Cause then you have four breakout players coming out right away in one year. And I think that's a huge momentum shifter and season changer. Let me, let me, okay. I I see your point. Let me big here. Jess, let me throw, let me throw a wrinkle in it for you. (laughs) 
quarterback situation. Yeah. Jalen Hurts has one year to prove mm-hmm. himself. So while I see your logic there, we're having this conversation next year and we still don't have enough playmakers, don't have enough of a team to understand what we have with Jalen Hurts. And now there's a quarterback decision, which adds an extra year of question marks. So one of the people I do like change your thinking. So because I I totally get what you're saying and I agree. Mm -hmm. They're not a Super Bowl team this year. Absolutely not. Can we dream? Of course. Are we going to, (laughs) after, you know, two weeks of, if they go two and oh, are we going to say that they're a Super Bowl team? A hundred percent. A million times. Yes. Um, because that's what we do. And that's what that, and I would have it no other way, (laughs) but if you look at, if you're, if you're saying, okay, let's draft, you know, a guy who can sort of help us now and one who's going to make a splash in their second year, but the, you're not getting a full view of what the team can be. You have extra questions and too many what ifs, in my opinion, going into a year where the quarterbacks are much better coming out next year. And you don't know what you're going to, you know, you don't know what you're going to see next year. And you don't know what you're going to see from Jalen Hurts this year. So I'm just of the belief that like, you got to put the best team out there because again, you win and you're in, like you see what happens. You saw what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Like should they have been in the Super Bowl? Probably not, but they were. So Mm -hmm. You know, you never know what what could happen. So especially towards the end of the season, if you get hot at the right time and everything's clicking and everything's playing well, you know, obviously things did not click and they did not play well against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But if you're able to win your division and see what happens, you know, uh, what the heck at that point? So I just I think they need to do everything they can to put the best team forward so you have the least number of questions going into next year's offseason. And I think that should always be the goal unless you're going into this season with the mindset of we're taking a quarterback next year. We're saying the right things about Jalen Hurts, but ultimately we don't believe he's the guy. We're going to take a quarterback. Then, you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. But if you're still trying to, because that's another thing, like you have two first round picks next year, you got to use them in the right way. You got to make sure that they're same thing with these, you know, they can't be misses. They have to be the right guy. You know, you don't want to waste it on a position you don't need because of what you did this year and then prolong this process further. People age, YZ, people are going to retire. You're going to have to supplement other positions. It's a never ending cycle. No, I I understand what you're saying, but my thought process of it is, We've seen a lot of Jalen Hurts. I do think he's going to have better weapons and be in a better position this year. And he's going to have that chance to show that he can be it. And I don't think we need to give him. I mean, I still, I have them taking a wide receiver in my picks and we'll get to that. But um, I don't think we need to give him the top of cream of the crop, everything all there in order for him to prove himself. And I think that we'll be able to see that no matter what this year. Um, I mean, assuming that there's no injuries, praise the Lord, please, Jesus. But, um, I think that we'll be able to see that either way this year. And then next year, we, depending how he does, maybe we use one of those, um, on a weapon and maybe we use one on a quarterback is how I see it or a defensive thing. So, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm just less, I think I'm just tired of the projects I just I just can't yeah no and I don't I don't blame but looking at some of the guys that are linked to the team because like we said earlier everything's hypothetical nothing's obviously set in stone um it's interesting to see some of the names that are linked to us just because in the offseason when it first started and we would talk like we were like defense 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 that's what this team needs and then you see a lot of names come out now where there's an offensive guard thrown in there because of the brooks retirement and there's wide receivers thrown in there because they didn't pick up that free agent wide receiver i mean zach pascal but not what we wanted and then jj ortega whiteside who granted probably wasn't going to make the team as a wide receiver anyway but he moved to tight end so there's kind of a gap there blocking receiver 
you're going to be a blocking tight end, my friend. That's yeah. what we're going to do. <laughs> we'll try it. Why not? Right. But right. so like, because of all that, we're seeing wide receiver names, we're seeing offensive guard names. Right. So it's interesting. So one of the top names that I like that we're seeing a lot for pick 15 defensive tackle, Jordan Davis from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And with that, it's like kind of a back and forth. It's either Jordan Davis or Trent McDuffie if he falls there. And they're right. both tackles. Jordan Davis from Georgia, like I said, and Trent Duffy from Washington. And when I've seen like I'm looking up all the information on him, I like Jordan Davis better because of the fact that he's so athletic. He ran a 4.7840 yard dash at 341 pounds, Jess. That's nuts. I can't nuts. I, mean, I can't run that and yeah. I'm not. 300 pounds. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I couldn't either. And like, so he's just, he's talked about as being one of the most athletic guys to ever come out of the combine and be in a draft. So like, that's really cool. He has the potential like right away to rotate with J- uh, Javon Hargrave. He can play anywhere on the line. And I like that. I like that thought. And then next year, J- Javon Hargrave, he's potentially not going to be here. Fletcher Cox is getting older. So then he'd have a huge role then fit where we need him to super athletic. The only con about him is he didn't have the best production at Georgia, but my rebuttal to that and the McDuffie argument is McDuffie once again, went to Washington. So yeah, he could have had better production at Washington, but to me, a decent average production at Georgia beats a good production at Washington. Yeah. And, and the, the defensive line was not great last year. Fletcher Cox is, as you said, getting older. I mean, they Mm -hmm. cut him and gave him a new deal. Just thinking about the future at that position is really important. Last year, that line was so bad. They were so bad. They were hurt. They were old. And the best they could do so far is bring back Derek Barnett. They have to do something there. And if, if Jordan Davis falls to 15, my God, take that man. Yeah. yeah. I think there, I think that there is going to be, we're, we're going to be sitting at 15 and there are going to be two or three that it's like, please select one. Just, just yeah. one of these options would be yeah. a phenomenal choice for you. But, but knowing Howie, he's going to do the McDuffie, which I guess I couldn't be as mad at that one, just because it's not only Howie that's, choosing McDuffie over Davis. Like, I feel like most people are choosing McDuffie over Davis. Yes, but, but if, he, if they're both there and he chooses that one, I'm going to be angry. Me too. It's going to make me mad. <laughs> me it's going too. To be mad because it's the same, it's the same thing. The core teams, again. Core teams, Jess. I just. Stop with the Washington. No, Please no. stop with the Washingtons and the TCUs and all that. Stop. Yeah. So I'm going to be mad. I'm like I'm 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 going to actively be angry. I don't care how good McDuffie is, and I don't care how good he. It will make me mad. It will make me actively angry, and I would just love to not be angry. I agree. But it's not going to happen, but I would love to not be angry. I uh, do. You, so, do you think they go defense over offense, or do you think that it, it has it creeped in that they're going to go offense over defense and take somebody like a? Jamison Williams now that he might fall out of the top 10 because of his because of his ACL injury yeah so I want them to take Jamison Williams he's my wide receiver pick because of the fact that I think he is going to fall because of the injury so it's likely that he'd be there hopefully still um but I don't know because now it's saying his knee's not that like he's doing really good with his knee really well yeah so he's going to be back sooner than everybody probably thought originally so it might not drop him too far but i would like him a lot if he's still there um ideally i think i would like it's tough just because like you don't know who everybody's going to take i would love um davis at 15 and williams at 18 assuming we keep both picks there in those spots so that would be like my dream scenario. Yeah. But I don't know who I would, like if I could only have one, it's tough. Yeah. No. I I guess I would have to choose um, Davis just for the fact that we need so much help on the defense and he can play anywhere on that line that's aging and it'd be a huge piece going forward. Yeah. 
as Williams would too. But I mean, it's a lot easier to get a superstar wide receiver somehow than a defensive tackle, I feel like. Yeah. And you touched on it as well with, you know, the fact that the offensive line conversation is is creeping into the first round again. I'm less high on that. Me too. Because I think, I mean, Nate Herbig just signed his tender the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with Brandon Brooks retiring, I mean, he got hurt week two. He's been hurt the last couple of years. Obviously, he, he's a, a, he was a sensational guard for us. But, mm-hmm. you know, Jack Driscoll played more at guard once Lane Johnson came back. And they really liked him at guard. And I thought he mm-hmm. played really well at guard. Once they had those, like, that eight-week stretch where they were consistent across the offensive line – that's when the offense was rolling the most. And when that, you know, that really the the great streak of um, their run games were, were fantastic and it opened up the pass game for him. So, and that's when Jack Driscoll was a guard. So they really like him there. You hope Isaac Sayamalu comes back healthy um, because ultimately Landon Dickerson is your future at center behind Jason Kelsey when he decides to retire. So if anything, like if you go offensive line, I would lean towards a tackle to like eventually think about, you know, the Lane Johnson replacement as yes. his older. But if you've seen any videos of Lane Johnson lifting weights, Jesus God. The man looks like he could be a tight end that's jacked. A literal tight end. Yeah. A literal tight. That man's a right tackle in the NFL. It's unreal. Literally. So, I mean, I, I would leave this one to second, third round, maybe lean next year towards one of the first being a tackle if you deal with some injuries this year. But yeah. I really think like – if they if they go offensive line at one of these two picks, that's going to be a pretty big disappointment to me, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and it's also just one of those things where it's just like, it's not exciting. We don't need it like we've we needed need it. it in the past. So it's just like, there's like you said earlier, there's so many holes. Like you have to start, I'm assuming they would do this, but you have to look at the team and put all the holes in order of how big of a necessity it is and all that stuff. And offensive guards, not up at the top. No. So that's the thing. I, the guard that I've seen a lot is Zion Johnson from Boston college being said to go probably 18 to the Eagles, or if they did trade back, um, assuming other people weren't there that he's in the talks to possibly go to Philly. But I think I would be disappointed with that pick. I don't think, I know I would be disappointed. I would, yeah, I would absolutely be disappointed in that. Especially if the other names that we've talked about are still there. Like, especially. Yeah. If any of these guys are still there that we have remotely brought up, it's, it's going to be a disappointment because, you know, as I, as I was kind of saying before, like I, we, they're at a point where, you know, they maybe aren't a Super Bowl team, but they're also not, they're not this this super rebuild team either. They're yeah. sort of in the middle, right? They're in this like mid-tier. They're not the Jacksonville Jaguar, you know, bottom tier Texans. Like they're not that little bottom tier m- misery down there. They're also not the Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, upper echelon of the NFL. They're so in that middle group in the middle. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're mediocre. They're in the middle. So you need guys that can help you now. You you need to plug players in that can help you now so you can ultimately determine what your team is and where you go to get you to that Super Bowl caliber team because they've worked so hard to get not only two first-round picks next this year, but two first-round picks next year, which is what we were kind of just talking mm-hmm. about with the projects or not. And I feel like the first round picks, like you just have to take, you can't be like, oh, well, this is the guy we're looking towards to replace Lane Johnson when he decides to retire in five years. Yeah. Okay. What does that do for me at pick 18 when an Alabama wide receiver is sitting there? Why are you doing this to me? There's absolutely no reason for that. They have to, I'm sorry. And I hate to put that, like to use this comparison, but I I still go back to when Jerry Jones drafted CeeDee Lamb. You had Amari Cooper. You had Michael Gallup. There was absolutely no reason why they would draft CeeDee Lamb. But they would be morons not to because he was sitting right there. You would be stupid not to because he was sitting right there. And that's, that's, 
that's the point I, I have to take. So, you know, you don't necessarily, you know, for, you don't, maybe you, maybe you don't need this person that could be an immediate impact player. But if they're sitting right there, take them. And that's the thing. The Eagles could use anybody at essentially any position aside from the offensive line that would be an immediate impact player that would would help them immediately. I agree. Until day one. And and that's what, like we said before, like originally this offseason, we were defense, 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 defense. And now, for the most part, I'm still defense, defense, defense. But I can, but I can deal with the wide receiver. You know what I mean. So that's the only like real offensive weapon that I'm okay with in the first or second round. And additionally, you know, they also they they we've been we've screamed about linebackers. They actually did something about it. They 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 actually paid attention to the position for once it's a miracle so i i won't have to yank all my hair out when they don't draft a linebacker in the first or they're going to draft a linebacker in the first round and totally throw me off and i'm gonna be confused there is one of the rumors the rumor that i saw with them uh trading down to 22 is like if they did that trade back with the packers that i said earlier um when i was reading that i think it was peter king that was talking about that and he his scenario, if that happened, he had the Eagles then taking linebacker Devin Lloyd from Utah at 22. I wouldn't do that at 22. That's not who I want because that's not the linebacker I would choose if I could choose a linebacker. But that's who he had. So are there any other picks that stood out to you that you like or any other names? I just already said David Ajabo, but I'll get into that when we, after the break, when we do our picks. So I'm not going to do a spiel yet because I'll save it. Yeah, I was going to say my my two we haven't really touched on, but they would also be my my sort of my dream picks for the first round. I am I'm content looking at certain positions in the second round if the first round is addressed in the proper way. Yeah. That's kind of where I am. I'm yeah. less later rounds other than one. I'm I'm usually just kind of of the mindset of like. I have a grocery list of positions I would like to be addressed. And the first round, I'm like, these are the players that I want. Because I just think that there's so much that goes on beyond day one that yeah. it's, it's impossible to I, – I commend the people that go through all, all of the rounds and do that because I don't have the mental capacity. No, and I agree. Like we said, like we don't even know – what's really if they're going to keep these picks in the first round who's going to be off the board who's going to do that shot in the dark that pulls somebody that was supposed to go in the second round in the top 10 you know what I mean so it's so much that's going to be dependable it's hard to look at the further rounds right so I just think my my opinion of it is I I would still like them to focus on defense in the first round that would be my priority um unless some you know someone is sitting there just prime for the taking like a, you know, if Jamison Williams is there still at 15 or 18, um, preferably 18. I I think that they should should do more of a, more of a lock at 15. Um, So if he's big name, defensive name or a big defensive name at at 15, I think. So I would use that. And then hopefully Williams is there at 18 and I do that. Right. So, so, you know, so without getting into, you know, my, my, you know, wish list, my dream of their, their, the two picks, I think that, you know, the, the positions that I still need heavily to be addressed are corner. I still think they need a safety at some point, not in the first round. So a safety in the second round, I wouldn't hate. And I think that they obviously need to address the the defensive line and we're going to, we, we still need another wide receiver because are the other than Devonte Smith, it's not enough right now and no they I don't agree. have enough there so I'm defense 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 unless you can get one of these you know kind of lock wide receivers that's sort of where I am and it'll just depend on what's there in the first round what they take in the first round and how they address it in in the second round I agree um one thing just because you did say you brought up safety and I saw it this morning um somebody I forget who it was it was ESPN um Somebody was talking about how they might think like their hot take is that the Eagles at 15 or 18 take safety Daxton Hill from Michigan. So that's something. And again, 
all these names are getting thrown around and right. every single hour there's going to be a new name thrown into the mix. But that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, they brought Anthony Harris back on a one-year deal. But other than that, I mean, Rodney McLeod's gone. And I don't think that Marcus Epps or Kayvon Wallace are, you know, ready to sort of take over. So I wouldn't be surprised if they they went safety at some point in a round one or or two. I, and I'd be okay with that. That, yeah. that's, that's just a, that's a spot that definitely needs to be, needs to be addressed, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about our dream scenarios for the draft first round of the draft. At least you're listening to the babes on broad on BGN radio. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Welcome back into episode number 80 of Babes on Broad. Jess, it's NFL Draft Week, and we did kind of our thoughts, some of the rumors, the names we're hearing, but there's a lot of names flying around. Who are your picks? Who would you take, assuming the Eagles stay at 15 and 18? So assuming they stay at 15 and 18, my dream, it's not. it might not be super realistic. It just depends on how people start slipping left and right, how trades go, how things go. But there's there's a name that is slipping and slipping and slipping out of the top five, possibly out of the top 10. If they're able to accomplish this, I think the city of Philadelphia will explode in, in joy. Is Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher from Oregon, Mm-hmm. like assumed to be a potential like number one overall pick and now it's seeming like he just might not be and he might fall kind of beyond that so if he is somehow ends up at 15 that I think would be unbelievable given that our best we had to offer last year was Ryan Kerrigan and Derek Barnett and we re-signed yeah. Derek Barnett so someone else there who's enormous and athletic and actually good at the position today would be, would be huge. And then my other person that I really just, I just, I just really, I really want is, is sauce Gardner. I need him in an Eagles uniform. I don't care how make it happen. If if 15, 18, I don't care, make it happen. We need a corner. They need someone else opposite Darius Slay. 
and please just I mean the man's the man goes by the name sauce please just bring him to Philadelphia I don't care like I that's one that if he's there you take him no questions asked no one complains no one has an issue everyone is just like yes absolutely done sold Super Bowl here we come like that's that I agree and that's I feel like all of Philadelphia feels like that way but unfortunately I don't think sauce is even going to be close to 15 or 18 on the board and I think that the only way the Eagles even have a shot at potentially getting him is if they do some kind of trade up so I don't think we'll get sauce but I I would love that I think that's my dream that's my dream how realistic eh but my (laughs) I like it. I like it. So just looking at, I kind of spoiled it because I'm excited about them and I like them. So I've talked about them a lot already in the show. So at 15, I would take Jordan Davis defensive tackle out of Georgia instead of McDuffie. And I like him. Like I said earlier, he's very athletic. He'd come in right away. He wouldn't be a starter right away this season, but he would um, rotate with Javon Hargrave. He can play anywhere on the line. So I think that's going to be very beneficial for him just to come in and be an impact player, not a huge piece right this year, but an impact player he'll learn. And then next year when Javon Hargrave is probably not with us, Jordan Davis fits into the everyday starter. That's a difference maker. And so I like that. And like I said, we're not a Super Bowl. That's my mindset going into this. We're not a Super Bowl contender this year. So I am fine with getting somebody that's going to be an impact player this year. And then next year, or the following year will be a breakout player. So I like Jordan Davis. I like how athletic he is. I think that's a steal. Georgia can't go wrong. My 18, I would do Jameson Williams, like we said, assuming he's still on the board. It does make me nervous because I don't know if he's still falling because of how well he's doing with his injury, which I mean, sounds terrible to say. I'm happy he's doing very well with his injury. Um, But I just think, I mean, I feel like a lot of people, it might, not be the logical pick, but I just think that Devontae Smith, Jameson Williams, the idea of having those two Alabama starting receivers on our offense is like, ah, like answers our prayers. And I just think that would be amazing. And assuming this year, he's just kind of getting his feet wet again after the injury and like just taking his time to grow, I think he'll be breakout the following year as well. And that's my dream thing. Like this year I want him to compete and I think they will compete and both these players will help them compete. But the following year, I think they'd be breakout stars. And next year with those two first round picks, I think that's what we get superstar locks and that'll be a necessity next year. So then it really propels them to the top. So those are my big things. And then I really like, David Ajabo. So assuming if they do trade back for some reason, I would love him late first round, early second round. I think he's a steel linebacker from Michigan. And yeah, so we'll see. Like we said, those are who we want, who we would take, but all this gets messed up. Like we can, I'm going to keep saying it because somebody else can be like, wow, Jordan Davis is a freak athlete. I'm taking him at eight. Right. You know what I mean? Like you never know. Jameson Williams, he could move up because he's doing so well. Yeah. I think I think you make a good point, though. I, I'm more inclined on someone who's going to be a rotational player and actually help you this year than someone that – then, if, like, for example, if they were to take an offensive tackle that you know is just yeah. not going to – you know what I mean? So I agree with you there. Who's, so someone who's, like, could have an, an impeccable second year once they get an NFL season under their belt but can give you something in year one, that's way different than a project or someone that is not going to help you. And another year. reason I'm really off – like, I agree 100% with you because of the fact that, like, those guys, an offensive line backup guy, he's not – going to be drafted to be a starter next year per se. Like, you know what I mean? It'd be a couple years down the line. We can't do that with a first round pick. And that's essentially what we did with Landon Dickerson anyway, last year. So we don't need to do that again this year. I'm out on it. Yeah. I I'm, I'm, I'm tired of that. And obviously Landon Dickerson ended up working out extremely well. And you know, he's going to be the guy to replace Jason Kelsey when Kelsey eventually retires X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know, whatever. He's out in Westchester, by the way, if anybody wants to go see him very nice. Who? What? Landon Dickerson's always out in Westchester. He, he lives true. in the area. 
but he's always out like Barnaby's saloon, all them. I always see pictures and everybody's like, he's awesome. He seems like an awesome guy. He does. Like, that's not surprising to me. At offensive all. linemen are always awesome. Always just sweethearts. So fun. Yeah. I was going to say, is there ever an offensive lineman that just like <laughs> hasn't been like the coolest dude on planet earth? Literally. No. The Eagles haven't had one at least. <laughs> well, maybe I'm not going to. Oh, I know who you're thinking. I'm not going to go there, but we'll just really? leave. We'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. I, I just I just hope they don't disappoint me. Yes. I, I just don't know if I can. I don't know if my mental health can take the Phillies at one, the yep. Sixers game six starting at seven, and the Eagles disappointing me. And I just don't know. That's that's it's gonna be wild. Yes. I'm, I'm, I told you I'm 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 host I'm hosting with Aton Shander. We're doing the BGN live you know draft show, and I'm gonna have to have a screen for the draft and a screen for the Sixers. And I don't know how I'm gonna keep myself together, but <laughs> we're gonna figure it out somehow, I guess. Well, that's the thing. Trying to ruin my life. Well, that's the thing, Jess. So we're obviously it's normal. Going to be anxious because you don't know what the heck Howie's going to do. Yes, but. An hour before we even get to start worrying about Howie, we get to worry about the 76ers who have started the series 3-0 against Toronto Raptors and then absolutely looked terrible in games three and four and lost both of them back to back. And now they go back to Toronto tomorrow or Thursday and we'll, we'll see what happens. I just don't know why they're trying to ruin my life. There's so many other <laughs> I things. I don't understand this. I don't understand. There's so many other things that would have been like so wonderful to enjoy in the NBA over the last two days, but I can't enjoy them because then I remember that the Sixers are doing this to yeah. me. And it, it, it hurts deeply. And at this point, I have to try really hard to keep it together because if I stress too much, I'm literally going to send myself to the hospital (laughs) and I can't do that. Game three, I almost sent me to the hospital. I had to practice like my deep breathing, like labor breathing exercises because I was having Braxton Hicks contractions and could feel my heart rate and blood pressure elevating as all that was happening. And I was like, I am, I can't push this baby this baby is still not fully cooked like she she can't (laughs) come out yet she can't I still have a couple weeks until it's like okay for her to come out and she'll be like super fine she'd be I mean she'd be fine now if she came out and spent some time in the NICU but like I, I, I can't go into labor because of the Sixers yet June end of May June if the Sixers send me into labor that's fine that's acceptable before May, you are not allowed to send me into labor, Sixers. Nope. So if you could just win this game and win it handedly, which is probably not going to happen because they're playing in Toronto. It's going to be – the crowd's going to be wild. Just – just, I mean, come out and do what you did in games one and two. Yeah. That made you win by so much. Don't turn the ball over. Rebound. And freaking play hard. Why is that? Why is that so difficult? Well, so I have a question. Do you think that Joel's thumb, that's like huge and injured, obviously, um, do you think that's playing a big role? Because then Nick Nurse is really just handing it, taking Joel out of the game with like double teams and triple teams, and then he's got that thumb. So I feel like they're trying to completely erase him out of the game. My opinion of it is he heard it halfway through game three. He hit the game winner in overtime for with that thumb. I know it sucks. I know it hurts. I like I you're if if it's that much of an issue, he should not play and have the surgery now. Oh no. No, but I'm dead serious. If if it's if it's that big of an issue that it's going to impact your heart and commitment on the floor don't play and have the surgery now and save us all the heartbreak that's better than going out there looking disinterested okay i agree getting to your team on the floor on either end 
I understand it hurts, right? Like I can't, I, I've never had the injury. I don't know what it, what it feels like. I'm sure it's unbelievably terrible. I'm sure he's in a lot of pain and I'm sure passing free throws, catching the ball rebound. Like I can deal with him not going up as strong and battling for boards to try to save that thumb a little bit there. I can, I can get on board with that. That's fine. We can make our peace with that. But the level of disinterest that was being displayed from the team, that's unacceptable. The lack of heart that was involved, that's unacceptable. So if that's what we're going to get out of you, you might as well just call it, go have the surgery, not play in game six. So so that's my opinion of it. Like you played through game three and finished game three the way you did with the intensity that you did with that injury. It just happens to have a name now and it's a little more taped up. So, I mean, I understand him not being able to perform as much because when you do just suffer an injury, like it hurts and it stings, but once you like, and so it's able to play through right after it happens Mm -hmm. because your adrenaline's running, like it hurts, but like, you're not focusing on it. It's fresh. When you give it a day or two to sit, it hurts a lot. Sure. So like, cause it's stiff. It's just, it's trying to heal. Like I understand if it's affecting his performance that way. And that's where it sucks because then Nick nurse is doing his job and just, he's like, Oh, he's a deer with three legs. Go get him and chase him down. And I feel like that's what they're doing. And I don't blame him on that. And I think that's hard for Joel to compete against, but I agree with you in the fact that he is the heart and soul of this team. He can't just take himself emotionally out of this. If anything, like look at all the guys like Michael Jordan, when he was sick and like, I just watched um, the bad boys again, the Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, when he rolled his ankle in one of the NBA playoff games back then, like he literally was out the following game because it hurt so bad. But on that, like they just like, you have to create a monster out of yourself. And if you're going to continue to play through your injury, you have to come out with a vengeance and have that mindset. You can't be pity me all that hurts if you're going to play. And I don't, and I don't want it to seem like I'm bashing Joel because not at all because he's he's, him battling through it is what we love to see. And, and he gets all the credit in the world for, Everything he's done for this team this season, mm-hmm. keeping this team together, keeping them where they are, battling through, you know, he had a, the back injury at one point, the wrist was bothering him at one point. He only missed games due to COVID this year. Like, yeah. so he has, I mean, yes, but ultimately, if they lose this series, that's going to be a black mark on his career forever. And it doesn't matter about the thumb. It's going to be on him forever. And that's what sucks the most. Yeah. So I just think that if he he can't take him, you're exactly right. He can't take himself out of it emotionally. He's got to get back into it. And you make a great point with the adrenaline right when it hurts. And then after letting it sit for a day, but I'll tell you what, there's a way to get that adrenaline back up to feel where it doesn't hurt anymore again. You know what I mean? Like you going out there and playing with no energy that's that's all that's going to be on your mind. It's going to sit there and nag at you the whole time. But if you're going out there, think about how that game five could have gone. If they came out with a fire that they weren't going to walk out of that building without a series win, and they're up by, you know, 20 going into the fourth quarter, that place is electric. That place is on fire. If they're hitting shots, making plays, and they're having that kind of fun, I I guarantee you he's not feeling or thinking about his thumb. I know. And that's one thing that sucks too, is because you would think that was the time to just fake the adrenaline or at least get yourself up because you are at home and it sucked. And you really saw it suck every, all the adrenaline out of the entire team besides Maxi, who is the young guy that's just always energetic. You know what I mean? But he was off, he was off that night. So like even Maxi's energy couldn't get the whole team on and don't get me wrong. Like, I still think it's going to be Sixers and six, I hope. But if not, it'll definitely be Sixers and seven because of the fact that I just think they're the better team. I think they'll get it done in one of those games. I hope it's Thursday. But um, I think would be the good thing would be for them to be able to finish the series. Like, what would have been best for Joel's thumb would have been extra rest. Finish the series 
and let him rest a little bit so that no pain is not there. He's able to get a cortisone shot, or do, you know, something to be able to just sort of yeah. try to balance it out. And they don't get that now because what, I mean, think about the heat last night, the heat closed out the series against the Atlanta Hawks in five. And last night, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry both didn't play. Kyle Lowry's been absolutely useless for them anyway. But Jimmy Butler did not play last night. Yeah, so now he's got a whole week's rest until that series isn't going to starts Monday. Yeah, so he has a whole re- week's rest. Jimmy Butler does yep. until and he's coming in fresh. Joel's coming in injured with minimal days rest before. But right. I mean, that's and, and that's my biggest, seven. That's even less. Yeah, and that's my biggest point about all of this is the fact that. The Sixers, their performance, like I said, I still think they win against Toronto, but their performance lately has me very, very nervous for them going into Miami. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's the thing. We couldn't even enjoy the garbage that Trey Young put out there. We couldn't even enjoy that as Sixers fans, watching him crumble because the Sixers are doing what they're doing. It's yeah. I know. And there's so many pieces. We're not even going to get into Harden because that's a whole nother thing. And I don't want to get you really riled up. We're already running long. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, the Phillies have a losing record, but they've won two in a row. Yes. And that's the good thing is they're now eight and 10 so far this season with back-to-back wins against Colorado. Their first series that they won since the opening series. So that's kind of nuts, Jeez. but they're starting to get back on track. I mean, two nights ago, they won eight to two yesterday. They won 10 to three. So their bats are finally sparking. And I mean, it's so early in the season. Like you expect that you expect yeah. the slumps and they had a short spring training anyway. So um, we'll she see. I mean, universal DH because it keeps Bryce Harper's bat in our lineup with his elbow. Yeah. Well, that's one other thing. We're not even going to get on that yet. we got a lot to a baseball season that we can talk about, but yeah, that's one thing. I'm very nervous about that. But with their win yesterday, it still keeps them tied in third for the NL East. They're still five and a half games behind the Mets because the Mets always do this. They always come out hot, and everybody's like, how in the heck? Their lineup does look good. But the Mets suck. <laughs> they'll they'll find some way to lose it. I don't, I'm no. not worried about that. Um, <laughs> and then the Marlins, they're in second which is also surprising. They always do this though. It's just because they play the Phillies and the Phillies always learn how to blow against the Marlins. I don't know what the Phillies do against the Marlins. They forget how to play baseball. Yeah. But then the Braves and the Phillies are tied in third for the NL East. And I think that says something because it also shows that like the people that are over analyzing the Phillies and stressing them out already. I'm like, dude, the Braves are like the favorites to pick the division or to win the division again and possibly go back to the World Series. They have an insane lineup. They have an insane roster. They have insane pitching. Like if the Braves are tied with us, we're fine. Do not worry. Has Ronald Acuna come back yet, or is he still working in the minors to get to get back? I'm not sure about that. Cause he was he was up in AAA recent. Like he he was start he he was looking like he was going to come back sooner rather than later, or sooner than expected. So, and that's just another thing to to add to the Braves. So the Phillies yeah. need to get it together and keep it together for you know. I just I just want he's ready to come back, but I don't think he has yet. Got it. Yes. So we're just in for we're just in for some stress, and that's fine. What else is new? Don't don't stress too much about the Phillies, but that's the thing that sucks is like, so you got to stress about the Sixers. You got to stress about the Eagles. At least hopefully the Phillies will be a bright spot tomorrow for us, but they'll stress us out. Give it a month and or two months. And then that's when we start stressing about baseball. And that's just. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing. Once it's, you know, full swing baseball season, I'm just on maternity leave. So I'm not working. I'm taking care of a baby. What am I going to be having on my television is the Phillies. So I need the Phillies to give me some yeah. hope. Because that's going to direct your, that's going to correlate directly to your mood. Yeah. You're either going to be happy and go lucky, or you're going to be miserable and stressed out with a baby. Yeah. So Phillies, please take me into consideration. And <laughs> you think about how you're going to operate this baseball season, please. And thank you. But thank you for, for listening to episode 80 of Babes on Broad. Thank you, as always, to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure you're paying attention to everything Bleeding Green Nation is doing for the draft as well, or as we get into all of the off-season workouts and as we're getting into 
next year and the 2022 NFL season. We got a lot of good stuff coming your way and we're going to figure out something fun to do for our hundredth episode because that's, that's going to be But even before then, I'm sorry, I'm jumping in. Just no reminder, everybody tune in to Jess live round one throughout the entire first round with Aton. So Thursday night, Jess and Aton. And then we'll be back Saturday for a day two yeah. recap. Yep. Live reaction live reaction show is going to be happening. Lots of Bleeding Green Nation people are going to be popping in and out through the whole show. And then, yes, yeah, Sam and I will be back on Saturday to talk about what we think they of their picks so far. Hopefully we're happy, you know, and not angry because it's just no fun to be angry. But thank you for listening. Make sure you're always subscribed to everything, written reviews, five-star rating, the whole thing. You've listened to the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.